Absolute truth. Is there such a thing? Absolutely. Pastor Ed says even the scientist or mathematician has to agree. The scientists don't argue about whether truth is real or not. Mathematicians don't argue about it. Engineers don't argue about it. The engineer believed that one equals one. So absolute truth, objective truth is essential in mathematics, in medicine, and in science. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place gotta dwell with man. Sick be healed, and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your love. Today on Grow in Grace, Pastor Ed Ray brings us to John's Gospel for a study in chapter 18, a section that records the mock trial of the Lord. Now, as ridiculous as that sounds, Jesus, the Son of God, was put on trial. Of course, there was no evidence, only accusations of jealous religious men. But Jesus would turn the tables and place them on trial. We're talking about truth today. Here's Pastor Ed in John 18. We're in John chapter 18, verse 28. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, and it was early morning, but they themselves did not go into the Praetorium, lest they should be defiled, that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, what accusations do you bring against this man? And they answered and said to him, if he were not an evildoer, if he wasn't a criminal, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, well, then you take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore, the Jews said to him, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. Hmm, there's what's really going on. That the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. Then Pilate entered the Praetorium again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about me? <laughs> is it because you want to know? Or is it because someone else tells you concerning me? Pilate said, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. And for this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you of the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release to you the king of the Jews? Then they all cried again, saying, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a murderer. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, we thank you that you've recorded this for us, that we can slow everything down and just study what it is that you're saying 
to Pilate and about Barabbas. So give us ears to hear. Teach us by your Holy Spirit that we might grow in you and leave this place differently than the way we came in. Do that, we ask in Jesus' name. And all of God's people agreed by saying, Amen. Amen. Truth. What is truth? I love this old story. Maybe you've heard before. A guy from the packing house died and went to heaven. Of course, he went to the pearly gates and Peter was there. And he looked behind Peter and there's this wall of dials. And he said, what are those, Peter? He said, those are sin-o-meters. Every time somebody tells a lie on earth, they move. He said, wow. So that one's not moving at all. What's that? He said, oh, that's Lincoln's. We leave it up there because Abraham Lincoln only lied twice in his whole life. And it's only moved just a little bit. So, wow, that's amazing. He says, where's Pastor Greg's? Peter said, oh, Jesus has his upstairs in the office. He uses it for a ceiling fan. <laughs> Are you here, Greg? <laughs> so, here in John 18... Pilate asks this penetrating question, what is truth? And that's a subject that's being battled over in our nation right now, in the whole world for that matter. Pilate asks a question that many of us are confused about. We're actually living in a world that's waging war on truth, what is right. Now, a recent Barnes survey found that 72% of Americans say they believe there is no such thing as absolute truth. If that's not bad enough, 67%, two-thirds of conservative, Bible-believing Christians say they do not believe that there is absolute truth. Really? What are you reading in your Bible? People today want truth defined by the individual. You know, what's your truth is your truth. What's my truth is my own truth. No, either there's truth or there's not. Because truth is, in fact, the main way that we speak to one another and trust one another. The dictionary definition of truth is language or words giving information in accord with fact or with reality. Fidelity to reality. Real reality. Real truth. Now, the opposite is true about falsehood. It is, of course, infidelity to what is real, what is truth. Objective or absolute truth is language which is valid at all times in all places. It's always correct. Now, philosophers going all the way back to 425 when Plato was born have been arguing about whether truth can be absolute or relative. And they still argue about it to this day. So what is it? Well, I've noticed that having worked in science, that scientists don't argue about whether truth is real or not. Mathematicians don't argue about it. Engineers don't argue about it. When the guy designed these trusses that go across our roof, he was a mechanical engineer, and he believed that one made one, and that 10 made 10, and that 100 really meant 100. And so you can sit here and be comfortable that this roof is loaded for even snow, unlike some in Big Bear lately, but it's able to withstand way more weight than it will ever see because the engineer believed that one equals one. So absolute truth, objective truth, is essential in mathematics, in medicine, and in science. 
Here in John 16, we find the trial of Jesus before this Roman judge, Pilate, kind of a famous one. The subject of truth is raised by Jesus two times. And Pilate grabs a hold of it. I don't think he's comfortable with the word. And most people aren't because we live a life that's filled with sin until the Holy Spirit comes into our life and begins to change us from the inside out. So Pilate is struggling with this. Now, Jesus has been before the high priest and his father-in-law. And there in Luke chapter 2, it tells us he was beaten there by the temple guard. And now they take him from there to the Roman procreator, the, the trial, and uh, he's going to appear before a judge. So Pilate asked Jesus three questions, actually a couple more, but three main ones, and they break this section up into understandable parts. The first one, what is he accused of in verse 28 through 32? And then he wants to know who he really is. Are you the king of the Jews? 33 through 37. And then the final question, what is truth? Very interesting question, 38 to 40. So we'll work our way through it in those three sections. And we're looking to see what Jesus is really trying to do with Pilate. And then why Barabbas is such an interesting exchange. So first of all, they led Jesus from Caiaphas, the high priest, to something called the Praetorium. Now, Praetorium was the main tent where a general of an army would go. In this case, it's a palace. And it is early in the morning, it says, a priori in the Greek language. It means between three and six in the morning. So they woke up Pilate early. He didn't have his coffee and he's grumpy. So they themselves didn't go into the Praetorium least they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover meal. Okay, so that is the actual floor of the Praetorium from Jesus' day. It's down about 10 feet below the street level of the city of Jerusalem because there's been that much destruction. The city was just built over the last one that was destroyed. And so about 10 foot down, they uncovered the floor that was the one that was, in fact, where the judge, Pilate, would hold court. We know it is, and there's some signs even in the floor itself. This is a game that the Roman guards has, have carved into the, the limestone, and it's called the, the game of kings, a little bit like chess. And they got bored as they were listening to all these trials going on. They knew how they were all going to end, and so they would play this game. Now, right outside of that, right next door to it, is this arch, and it's called Eke Homo, which means behold the man. That is the place, or at least in about the same location, where Jesus was presented, and they demanded for Barabbas instead of Jesus. So, they says they don't want to be defiled by going into this Gentile palace. What's going on there? Well, it was Passover. In fact, this is the day of Passover, and all these Jewish leaders are going to go home and have a Passover meal. Now, when John uses the word Jew, he doesn't mean ethnically Jewish. He's not, that's not a racial statement. He's talking about the leadership of the Jewish faith. 
And so these guys are all the head, head of the Sanhedrin, the 70, and the high priest. So this is a picture of the stone that was found at Caesarea Maritime. Up until 1960, theologians didn't believe that Pontius Pilate was a real person. They thought that John had just made up the story and because he didn't appear in history up until that time. And then in 19, the winter of 1960, 1961, an American archaeologist was digging literally with a spade and hit a stone, that stone, and you can't quite read it in this picture, but it says Pontius Pilate, prefect of Judeo. He's a governor. And so there it is written in stone, literally. You can go to Jerusalem. This is where it was found. This is Caesarea by Maritime. And it is absolutely beautiful, stunning. But it was there right next to the amphitheater that that stone was found. So the man that's speaking here in the story we're reading, we have something that was carved during his lifetime. Amazing, isn't it? This is Grow in Grace. Pastor Ed Ray is in the middle of a message based in John 18. We'll pick things up now at verse 29. The men went out to them, verse 29. Pilate went out to them and said, what accusations do you make against this man? Technically, he was the governor from 26 to 36, so we can get the time frame when Jesus there. He, since we have found that stone, Philo, one of the Roman historians wrote, Pilate was, quote, inflexible, merciless and obstinate, and did not wish to do anything that would please his subjects. Josephus said that he brought images into the temple that led to a riot in which many Jews were killed. So he was not a nice guy, and he wants to know what is it that Jesus is being accused of. Now, don't get the wrong picture of Pilate. He was a brilliant man. He started out as just a normal foot soldier, worked his way up to a commander of a legion, 6,000 Roman troops, and then a quadrant leader, which means of four of those legions, so 24,000 men. And now he's the leader, the head of a small country in the Middle East. He was brilliant, he was very smart, intelligent, but he knows something's wrong with this trial. He's been in front of many, many men who are accused. And he looks at Jesus and he says, this guy doesn't look like an insurrectionist. He doesn't look like a revolutionary. So he is asking about Jesus. They answered and said, if he were not an evildoer, if he wasn't a criminal, we wouldn't have brought him to you. That's pretty smart mouth to the Roman guy that's running your whole country. Jesus went about healing the sick, the blind, the deaf, the leper, cast out evil spirits, fed hungry multitude. He was hardly a criminal. And they want Pilate to just assume that whatever they say is true so they can get Jesus killed. You see, what's really going on is they legally can't enforce capital punishment. And so this is their end run to get the Roman official to get the Messiah out of their way. Pilate said to them, well, if he's just a criminal, you take him and judge him according to your law. 
Therefore the Jews said to him, it's not lawful for us to put anyone to death. Ah, now we get the real reason of what's going on here. They just want him to kill this annoyance, Jesus Christ. Now, why wasn't it legal for them to impose capital punishment? It used to be, but they lost the privilege, if you call that a privilege. The Romans took it from them because they were killing people for just political reasons. And in 6 AD, they took it away from them. Now, there was a prophecy in the Old Testament in Genesis 49 about Judah. And you'll remember, this is the area of Israel called Judah. Judah was the son, the grandson of Abraham. And when the blessings were coming on each one of these grandsons, when he got to Judah, he said, the scepter shall not depart from Judah until Shiloh comes. That's Genesis 49.10. Shiloh sounds like shalom, same root word, until the prince of peace has come. The ability to impose capital punishment will not leave until the Messiah has come. And when that happened in 6 AD, the priests went through the city of Jerusalem with their robes torn and ashes on their face in mourning and whining that the Messiah hadn't come, that the prophecy had failed. Not so fast, because in a little village called Nazareth, there was about a six-year-old boy working in his father's carpenter shop, learning how to make wood things. Jesus was growing up in 6 AD in the village. Now, scripture's filled with prophecies that are fulfilled. The ones that are most astounding have to do with when he would be born, where he would be born in Bethlehem. But his death is also very in very detailed prophecy. Psalm 22 says that his hands and his feet would be pierced. And that was written a thousand years before Jesus was born in Zechariah, Zechariah 12. When Jesus comes to planet earth again, the Jews will gather around on the Mount of Olives and they will, they will look at him and say, what is the meaning of those scars on your hands and on your feet. And Jesus will say to them, I received them in the house of a friend. And they will weep and mourn because they finally realize that Jesus is the Messiah. So, that the same, verse 32, that Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke. The prophecy that Jesus himself spoke, signifying by what death he would die. You can find it over in Matthew chapter 20, verse 18. There Jesus speaking said, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and discourage and to crucify then the third day he will rise again. Now, that's a pretty bold thing to say about yourself, <laughs> unless you're God, and you know exactly how it's going to happen and who's going to do it. 
So, that's the accusation. Now, are you the king of the Jews? Verse 33. Then Pilate entered the praetorium. He leaves the mob outside that are crying for Barabbas. And he goes inside, he calls Jesus, and he said, are you the king of the Jews? What a question. He's the king. He's over, at least the governor, over the whole country. So he is making a strange statement. He looks at Jesus, and he's probably smirking. He's probably saying, doesn't look like a threat to me. He doesn't look like an insurrectionist. Now, Pilate is blind. He can't see what's going on here. You and I have the advantage of reading about it 2,000 years later. He has the creator of the universe in front of him. What an opportunity. He could have asked him any question. I would have had a lot of questions to ask him. Pilate thinks, mistakenly, Pilate believes that Jesus is on trial. No, it's Pilate that's actually on trial. Pilate, who stands before the judge of all the earth. Of course, Jesus doesn't look like the judge of all the earth at that moment. I believe Jesus actually tries to make Pilate think. You see, he so loves the whole world that he even loves Pilate. And he's trying to give him a little more time, a little more space to think about what he's saying. And so Jesus asks Pilate, after he's been asked, are you the king of the Jews? He said, are you speaking for yourself on this? Are you asking me personally? Are you seeking for truth about the king of the Jews? Or did others tell you about me? He gives him an opportunity to respond to the truth, an opportunity to do right. And he does that for all of us. He said, if you seek me, you will find me. Are you seeking me, Pilate? Wait a minute, what did you just ask? Do you really want to know? Are you asking for yourself or are you just mouthing things that you've heard other people say? Hmm. Pilate answered, what? Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Okay, Pilate realizes he doesn't understand all the idiosyncrasies of the Jewish law. He sees that Jesus is aware of that also. And Jesus is gently saying, Pilate, you're over your head. <laughs> you have no idea what's really going on here. You think you just have a carpenter from Nazareth, and this is just a matter of getting him through the process of crucifixion. You don't know what he really represents in the world. So Jesus gives them a little short sermonette, okay? This is the devotional for Pilate. Thanks for joining us for Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We're going through the Gospel of John together from start to finish. For a CD copy of today's message, just call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or you can listen online at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find an archive of past radio programs there too, which comes in handy should you miss a message on the radio. Go to thepackinghouse.org and look for our radio page. You know, it takes a team to bring Grow and Grace to you, and we look to our listeners to help make all of this possible. 
We have an exciting resource to tell you about. It's True Spirituality by Francis Schaeffer. After serving the Lord as a pastor for many years, Francis began to wonder if Christianity really made a difference in people's lives. True spirituality, you could say, is the result of his effort to re-examine his faith. And if you want to discover what true spirituality looks like in everyday life, this is the book for you. We'll send you a copy when you support Grow in Grace today with a gift of any amount. And as you give, you'll be helping many others around the country and around the world to grow in grace as well. Just give us a call, 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And we want to hear from you. Even if you're not in a position to be able to give, whether it's a word of encouragement, a comment related to the study, a question or a prayer request, email us today at packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. And then join us next time as together we grow in grace through a study in John's Gospel with Pastor Ed Ray. This program is presented by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place got a dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said let this world know me by your